I'm Elena Landsberg-Lewis, your host of Grandmothers on the Move, the podcast that kicks old stereotypes to the curb. Come meet these creative, outrageous, authentic, adventurous, irreverent, and powerful disruptors and influencers. Grandmothers, from the living room to the courtroom, making powerful contributions in every walk of life. We know them most intimately as loving caregivers, the older women in our lives with a thousand stories about their grandchildren and pictures in their purses. In this podcast, you'll come to know even more about our grandmothers. They are galvanized, determined, and are guaranteed to get you thinking. What drives them? What are they up to? What is the potential of grandmother power, and how is it changing the world? Grandmothers are on the move. You don't want to be left behind. Hi, it's Elena. Welcome back to Grandmothers on the Move. Today, a second installment of Grandmothers Rocking Solidarity, Not Charity, a cause dear to my heart, the Grandmothers to Grandmothers campaign. In this episode, I have something new to share with you. Oh, and by the way, to hear more about the Grandmothers to Grandmothers campaign, you can listen to this podcast, Episode 7. And if you haven't done that already, here's a short recap. Full disclosure, I am the executive director of an organization called the Stephen Lewis Foundation, which exists to fund community-based organizations at the front lines of the AIDS pandemic in sub-Saharan Africa. We are also the hub of the Global Grandmothers to Grandmothers campaign, a solidarity campaign that exists to support African grandmothers who have buried some or all of their adult children lost to AIDS and who are raising the millions of orphaned grandchildren now on the continent. Grandmothers and grand others in this campaign come together in groups. There are over 10,000 grandmothers and grand others involved in Canada, the UK, Australia, and now the United States, and raise awareness about African grandmothers at the heart of the response to the AIDS pandemic, and raise funds for them and their grassroots organizations to support their efforts. Some years ago, the Stephen Lewis Foundation held an African Grandmothers Tribunal, a mock tribunal in which six African grandmothers came to testify about how AIDS had ravaged their families and communities and all that they were doing to rebuild and resurrect their lives. What you are about to hear is the statement and commitment from the Stephen Lewis Foundation and the Grandmothers Campaign, and then the African grandmothers' call to action, delivered by Mama Zodwa, a grandmother and community leader in the fight against AIDS in South Africa. that you speak for millions of grandmothers and the organizations supporting them. We understand that this is not an exercise in charity or benevolence. The threshold of tolerance for injustice must be shattered today. And the resources and support you require to affect change in the face of AIDS, whether it's pensions, access to health care, or to be consulted and counted in the responses to the pandemic, must be acted upon. We will all take up your call to action and the recommendations of the judges, and we will not rest until the world comes to its senses and the support that should and must come is yours. We, the grandmothers of Africa, speak to you now as the guardians of the future. Our labor with... Our labor with all of his struggles, challenges, knowledge, and triumphs has gone unheeded for too long. We'll not let AIDS pandemic defeat us, nor destroy our communities. 
but we cannot prevail alone. Africa cannot survive without us. We call on you to act with agency and purpose to support our efforts, secure justice. It is time and the time is now. On the heels of that powerful statement delivered by Mama Zadwa, I want to bring to you my conversation with three grandmothers who have started groups in the last couple of years, some of them quite new, as new as last month or two. Uh, there's Meg Hunter in Victoria, Australia. There's Linda Price in Traverse City, Michigan, in the United States, and Marilyn O'Brien in Moncton, New Brunswick, in Canada. Welcome, Meg, Linda, and Marilyn. It's wonderful to have you on Grandmothers on the Move. Thank you. Thank you. One of the things about the campaign that has been so powerful for me in my own experience of working with all of these grandmothers in Canada, Australia, and the U.S. is the deep respect for the African grandmothers, for their expertise, their firsthand experience and knowledge needing to be front and center. What has that meant to you to be so aware of the dignity and the strength of the grandmothers in Africa raising all these orphaned grandchildren and giving voice to that and raising awareness about that. And I just wonder why that's important to you. Uh, Margaret, let's start with you. Uh, I've often had comments made by people about helping the poor grandmothers in Africa. We should make things for them. We should send them this. And I go, why would we do that? They are brilliant craftswomen. They're very capable, stalwart women. They're not poor little old ladies. I just want to yell out there how strong and stalwart and capable these grandmothers are, they don't need us to give them handouts and do things for them. They just need us to support them so that we enable them to do what they're very capable of. That sometimes takes people back when you address the issue in the community. But I'm more than happy to do it because I have nothing but admiration for the African grandmothers facing everything they are facing. I talked to when I was in Africa and I said to her, it must be hard. And she said, no, mama, I'm too blessed to be depressed. My kids are gone to school. And that humbled me so much. If she can get up in the morning and say that, so can I. And I, I do every morning now. I've just never forgotten that. These women are just totally to be admired. And Marilyn? Well, I'm going to take a different tact because I'm so new to this, but I am what you call an old feminist who is a daughter of <laughs> So my mother is 96 years old. And when I was a teenager and a farm wife, she used to be annoyed with her girlfriends that she couldn't tee off at 12 because they were making their husband's lunch. And she considered that my father was quite competent to make lunch. It was an interesting childhood because I had parents who cared for each other and were equals. And unfortunately, women in this world are not equal. There's a solidarity as one woman to another. I believe that women are quite capable, very, very smart. And I would always trust any other woman to make good decisions. So I guess my whole take is that I can't imagine not being respectful of these women um, and supporting them because as another woman, I know that life is not fair, for sure. Right. And Linda? 
women who are raising the next generation of children, not just their grandchildren, but different factors at play even from when they raise their own children. So if they can do that, you know, as my sisters have said, you know, then damn it, I can too. I aspire to be a strong. I learn from them. We learn from them in our group. And I think that that's a general feeling out there amongst the other grandmothers that are working to do all these other wonderful things in support of the African grandmothers is that I'm I'm learning from them and they teach me. And that I'm really thankful for. So you all got involved in the campaign in different ways. And I wonder if each of you can share with us how you got involved and if you've had a meeting yet with your group, uh, what that meeting was like. Linda, why don't you start since you're in Michigan and you're the first American group that's joined mm. the Grandmothers Grandmothers campaign? Well, our, our first meeting came about because of Apology and Turco speaking to our community and, and really educating us about what was happening in Africa, the AIDS pandemic and grandmothers. And the group was really moved to do something rather quickly and wanted to do a fundraiser. So um, there was just a lot of inspiration and, and a heartfelt need just to take action. So that was really, and that was a year ago. We've continued to have meetings, but we've done more fundraisers. And I would say that the passion that everybody started with has only grown. And that's what we're really focused on now is growing our group and increasing that awareness. That's beautiful, Linda. Thank you. And and Margaret, how did your group come into being? Well, once I had discovered the foundation and I contacted Canada and said, is there Australian groups? And they said, no, how would you like to start one? And I went, yes, and then panic. Uh, What happened was the AIDS conference was in Melbourne, and the foundation offered that Leah should come up to talk to us because she was a delegate at the conference. And she did so. We had a talk one evening with a supper, and she was an amazing speaker. And we asked for people that were were interested afterwards and I started off with about five ladies and we've grown to be about nine or ten now Um, and we just got together and started off with very simple things like cooking sausages and bread outside the butchers and raising money like that but we're progressing we've been going now this is our fourth year and every year we've raised more than the previous year. And Margaret did you know all the other women that you No, no, no. We were all members of the local University of the Third Age, but I didn't actually know everybody. But we know each other well now. (laughs) (laughs) I bet you do. And so how did you get the other women to come on board? Well, when we had the talk, I put out a clipboard for people to put their names on if they were interested. We're in a village in the hills on the outside outskirts of Melbourne. So we're only a small group. We're not in a city, but we're growing and we're getting better and better. Absolutely. So I agree with you. And you're not alone because there are six other groups in Australia that have started since. Yes. It's been exciting. Yeah. Magnificent. And Marilyn, I know that your group is probably the most recent to come together in the campaign. So how did you bring people together and what happened? Well, it started in July 2017. I went to a grandmother's um, to grandmother's campaign sale of fabric and yarn. Because I'm a quilter, I was particularly interested in this fabric and yarn sale because it was a dollar a meter for fabric. In April 
of 2018, I got a phone call from Jane Earl in Halifax. Would I take the leftovers? And I was uh, shocked, actually shocked, speechless. (laughs) And I was just leaving on a three-week vacation and I said that I'd think about it. And on the plane home, my daughter said to me, mom, you have to do this. So Three days after I got back from my vacation, a friend of mine drove to Halifax. Anyway, we were astounded by what these women had done in Halifax in terms of gathering together fabric and yarns and crafts and craft books and just everything that you can imagine And they sold uh, more than $8,000 in four hours. Wow. I know. It was amazing. And it was an amazing moment. (laughs) So exciting. They gave us about half of their leftovers. In June, I went out to a few close friends. You know, I belong to two quilt guilds. And um, they were in. We set a date for September the 8th. My forte is marketing. And so I spent the next three weeks doing the marketing. We had our first meeting only on August the 7th, but we now have 25 other volunteers who have stepped up to say, we will help. In the last 24 hours, I had five people want to make donations. We've got three weeks to our sale, and uh, we are really excited. We're hoping to make between two and $3,000. The, the money is going to go to African grandmothers, which I'm so thrilled about. And then at the end of the sale, immigrant groups here are going to select about 20 people to come and shop for free afterwards. So it's a win-win community event. Absolutely. That's a wonderful idea. Yeah. You know, typically when grandmothers groups do events, questions come up. How do you know that what they said they wanted to do with it, whether it's feeding programs for their orphaned grandchildren or whether it's uh, income generating projects that the grandmothers are engaged in? How do you know that that's what the money's actually going to? How do you deal with those questions when they come up, Linda? Well, getting to know the foundation for us, not being in Canada was really important and taking advantage of the resources that the organization provides. And seeing the financial reports and learning that is it eighty six, eighty seven percent. Ilana, I may not have that. Right. Of, it's, um, well, for the for the grandmothers campaign, it's ninety percent of all funds raised. It's ninety percent directly to the African grandmothers. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, seeing that number was mind blowing and really spoke you know, loudly to everybody because that question, and it still does, and people will say, well, you know, we should be working locally. And once we talk about how working globally, the ripple effect of that and how it can still be working locally, sometimes some people feel like they have to choose. But in our group, we're really focused on allowing space for other things. And there is something for everyone. Really, the model resonates, I think, very deeply to truly make sustainable change in the approach that they have. And wiring money directly to those grassroots organizations in Africa, not spending money on all these other things, it, it allows those dollars to be far more productive in a much more expedient way. And that appeals to people. Thank you. That's really helpful to hear. The model of the campaign is 
a solidarity model, not a charity model, as the title of this podcast suggests. That model has been embraced very much by the grandmothers involved in the campaign. And I just wondered if each of you could talk a little bit about why that's important to you and what that means to you being involved in the campaign. Marilyn, why don't we start with you? I think the key is respect for one another. The respect is just so important in any relationship. I feel that with this campaign, we can actually deliver respect from our community and from our society to these grandmothers in Africa. I can't imagine the grief of losing their children, the pain of trying to figure out how to care for their grandchildren, feed them, school them. This campaign and my involvement in it means that I'm being respectful to them and that in supporting them, I'm to a very small extent making a difference. And that's important to me. Yeah, absolutely. And Margaret, what is your take on this? I do quite a lot of public speaking, even now, two years after I've been. But there was a moment in Africa that I thought was very important that showed the solidarity, the the connection, the sharing. And that was, I took some photographs of our group running a market store. And I showed the photos to a group of grandmothers at one of the projects in Zambia. And one of the grandmothers said, oh, you make marmalade. I said, oh, yes. And she said, but we make marmalade. I've got a beautiful photo of them all bent over the pictures. And we're just grandmothers together. And it was just a really beautiful moment where the African grandmothers and us realised we were doing the same thing for the same end. It sounds very small making marmalade, but it did show the absolute solidarity And Linda? Well, you know, I can echo what Marilyn and Margaret have have already shared. Personally, like the the realization in learning of, in my daily life, I might be overwhelmed, but in learning the things that African grandmothers are faced with on a daily basis and what they've had to go through just brings perspective and it's really humbling. And having been a delegate um, from the U.S. to Uganda and Tanzania earlier this year, I I was able to learn firsthand to go with to, to learn, to, to stand in solidarity quite literally with these women. When we talk as a group, and I do a lot of the presentations to the group and with them, and learning really from the organization about colonialism and the opportunities to learn and to continually grow and evolve and shift from that charity mindset, I think is so important. It's also really motivating. I think we're really taught to feel, you know, sad or bad. And I think that's okay, but they don't need our charity. As you said, I believe earlier, Alana, you know, sharing our strength together and that recognition and to see them and then share their stories and to let them know that they are seen and that the world sees them is, I think, so important. There are local issues and national issues that are extremely pressing and urgent and worthy of our time and our involvement and our fundraising. Some people see it as a dynamic tension between the local and the global. And there are 10,000 plus grandmothers around the world now who have embraced involvement in the campaign and who really have become global citizens, as it were. And I wondered if each of you could talk about this dynamic tension or if you see it that way between working on a campaign that stands with African grandmothers 
leaders at the front lines of the AIDS pandemic and the local work, the national work that is also so compelling. Margaret, what's your take on this? Well, I find when I go out and do talks to groups, there might be a little bit of that in the beginning. But when I start talking and I tell them about the millions of deaths and the millions of orphans and I show them the presentation from my trip and explain it all, it seems to really resonate with the people who come to listen and they have a far better comprehension that this is a problem. And if we don't continue to bring it to the forefront and have people realise that the AIDS issue is still a problem, it will become yesterday's news. And it's so vital to bring it forward and address it. But I think that most of the critics really don't understand the severity of the problem until you present it. And if you can get the word out there about what's really going on, it tends to dissipate a lot of the objections. Quite right. And Marilyn? I participate in all kinds of charitable actions in my community. As a quilter, we make quilts for a number of reasons and opportunities to give. I think, though, that what strikes me about this campaign and possibly what's important to others is that we look out into the wider world and we see ourselves as a global community. And to be honest with you, the poverty and the wars and the grief that we can see happening around the world makes me crazy. And I feel like there must be something that I can do to make a difference. And when I looked into the Grandmothers to Grandmothers campaign, I felt like this was a place where I could make, to a small extent, as a global citizen, I was helping to make a difference. I know that I can do that in my community. I know that the members in our group are active in their communities. This just is something that is our statement that we are part of the community uh, on a global basis. Right. And the truth is, too, that one of the things that has been so glorious about this work and also so frustrating is that grandmothers in Africa are really playing this central role in keeping their families together and their communities and their societies. And yet, when the world talks about HIV and AIDS, we don't hear the story of the grandmothers. And so one of the things that has been so powerful about the campaign is that grandmothers in other parts of the world are are the only ones who are really shining a light on the unsung heroes of the AIDS pandemic who are in fact the grandmothers of Africa. And I wonder, Linda, what's your feeling about this? Well, being a grandmother and then learning what these grandmothers are going through, it's shocking at first. And then when it settles in and that information is digested more fully, you know, the outrage that I feel and that others in my group feel and such, so little can go such a long way. And the opportunity to make an impact that you know it is, it's real in getting the information from the foundation and seeing the reports and hearing about some of the progress that my efforts have contributed to is so impactful. And being able to be a global citizen, but also be jubilant and joyful in those efforts is important. And I keep going back to that philosophy of joy and solidarity and seeing, you know, these grandmothers for who they are and the strength that is astounding. It, it just fuels me on, keeps me going and spurs me on. 
what has been one of the most unexpected things about being involved in the campaign? Let's start with you this time, Linda. I think regardless of who I'm talking to or what capacity it's in or for, there's a connection and and I know we're on the same page. And that is really cool. I've never worked globally like this and talking, especially being in the U.S. And I know that there'll be a lot more U.S. groups soon. And that's a a shout out to anybody in the U.S. listening to this. Let's make it happen. Yeah, I feel so connected. And it helps me feel more and more like a real global citizen. It's a powerful feeling. Yeah. And Margaret, what about you? Well, I was pretty surprised that we actually did it, actually. (laughs) Um, I couldn't have imagined me getting involved in doing something like this, and it just sort of happened. And one of the things that amazes me is you go out and you talk to a group, and then they write you a check for $1,000. And I feel very humbled by that. It's happened on a couple of occasions that we've had fairly large donations. And I'm also constantly amazed by the enthusiasm that everybody in our group has for the campaign. Yeah, there is something remarkable that happens when grandmothers come together and unleash their passion and their vigor. Uh, And Marilyn, what so far has been most unexpected for you starting a group? I thought I would be very stressed out about this. I thought that this was going to be much more difficult than it has been. People have been really, they've just really stepped up. And I just feel like I can count on the group that have volunteered because there's been no pressure at all to volunteer. It just seems to be coming together with a great deal of ease. What would you say to other grandmothers and grandothers who are thinking about starting a group? There are quite a few of them out there in all of our countries, in Canada and the U.S. and Australia, also in the U.K., who are thinking about becoming a part of this Grandmothers to grandmother's campaign and just haven't made the leap yet to start a group, what would you say to them? Margaret, let's start with you. I would say go for it. Start doing it. Whatever you do, (laughs) make it fun. I thought I had bitten off this huge thing that I would never be able to achieve and it has actually been very easy and I've never regretted doing it. And Marilyn, again, I would encourage them, just like Margaret, to just start. I was very concerned that this would be more difficult. To me, though, um, selfishly, I think that it has seriously enriched my life. It's expanded my horizons in terms of what people are willing to do. I'm so impressed by the giving back. And Linda, what would your exhortation be to <laughs> to grandmothers thinking of starting? <laughs> not, not very different. I would say, you know, there are no expectations. I think we place that on ourselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know I do far too often and sometimes they're just not there. So everybody else has said, you know, just go out and do it. Don't overthink it. Make it fun. Start where you're most comfortable, as I said before, and there are resources available. There are so many groups in Canada or wherever you may be. There are, you know, there may be some groups there. And I know by experience that the foundation is really ready and willing and poised to provide assistance and connect people together. And I think just by jumping in and getting something started, you immediately start to broaden your connection in your community, in the world, you know, quite frankly, and you can start to contribute and make 
make a difference. Many of us right now, particularly in this country, you know, it's like Sisyphus, you know, we're just <laughs> rolling it up the, you know, the side of the mountain and just rolling back out. This is a really great way to feel empowered, to do something, do something great. I really love your answers and I appreciate them so much. I cannot thank the three of you enough for coming together and sharing your experiences in the campaign with everyone who's going to listen. And I wish you all the enjoyment and pleasure and success in your future endeavors. Thank you so, so much, Linda, Margaret, and Marilyn. Oh, thank you. A pleasure, Alana. Nice to meet you, Margaret and Marilyn. I'll be in touch, Linda, for sure. Oh, good. I'd I'd so love that. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Thanks, all. all. Thanks for listening. I'm Ilana Landsberg-Lewis, your host of Grandmothers on the Move. If you want to find out more about me or the podcast, go to grandmothersonthemove.com and come back next week for another episode.